This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So, as I say, uh, I don't think we'll hear much talk about the Alberta Pension Plan when it comes to the budget today. Probably won't hear much about it at all in the legislative session. I, I, I stand to be corrected. You never know with this government. It's something that has not gone away, but I think it's been moved from the front burner to the back burner. That would be fair, right? I mean, we couldn't get it out of the spotlight for a while. Um, but... It's incredibly unpopular. A new polling out just this week. This was done by the Alberta Federation of Labor. 52% of the province thinks the government is actually being less than truthful about the potential upside of switching to an Alberta pension plan from the Canadian pension plan, Canada pension plan. Uh, just 27% of Albertans trust the government on this. There's not a lot of support for this idea right from the start. And all the work, the government's full court press to try and sell it to Albertans, didn't work. It didn't move the deal. It It still has a look of a dog that just won't hunt. It's not there. And now the C.D. Howe Institute is issuing a cautionary tale about switching to an Alberta pension plan and some of the things we need to be aware of. Let's speak with Bob Baldwin now, who is the uh, proprietor of Baldwin Consulting, co-chair of Pension Policy Council at the C.D. Howe Institute, and author of this report we'll be talking about. Bob, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Shay. I'm glad to be with you. Let's go through some of it here, and uh, I think a lot of it will just sort of reinforce what a lot of us here have been thinking, but you released a report on the potential move, and you start where everyone starts when you sort of give us your analysis, which is that that 53% severance package, for lack of a better term, a third of a trillion dollars is what Alberta would be able to take out of that pool of money. Not a chance that would happen, right? Uh, It's extremely unlikely. Uh, it's kind of a sad situation we're in, though, Shay, in the sense that um, there's no specific amount of money that you could say should be transferred to Alberta based on the relevant provisions of the CPP Act. And the sad truth is that the CPP Act can be interpreted in a variety of different ways and gives rise to a lot of different numbers. Um, So we're in a situation where at some point or other, the politicians are going to have to decide what's a reasonable transfer, and uh, what they come up with is probably not going to be anywhere close to $334 billion. What's more likely? We know right now the province is sort of saying, okay, we're waiting because the feds are putting together a number and saying this is more like what you'd actually be entitled to walk away with. What do you anticipate that coming back as? Uh, I would, in here, I'm playing armchair quarterback, um, my guess is somewhere between 100 and 150 billion. Okay. Uh, the 150 number uh, I should know is is the number that was um, uh, calculated by uh, Professor Tome of the University of Calgary, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he's trying to f- uh, strictly follow the provisions of the relevant sections of the CPP legislation. He comes up with 150. My guess is that's that's at the high end of a reasonable range of expectations. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest stumbling block. And I think and I think the province has even said, okay, okay, okay. It's really hard to ask you to, to make a decision about something when you don't know the terms of the deal. So we'll park this 
for now uh, and, and come up with a number and we'll wait for what the feds bring back. Fair enough. Okay, so that's sort of where we are in this province. But you know what? It's the Canada Pension Plan, Bob. And, and you talk about the impact this is going to have on that, right? I mean, it wouldn't go without notice and that will cause pushback. What's the impact you anticipate should something like this ever come to happen? Well, it depends uh, very much on the size of the transfer. Um, if the transfer gets up in the neighborhood of $150 billion, um, it could have quite adverse uh, effects on CPP finances. Uh, specifically, I think it would push the what's known as the minimum contribution rate above the legislated rate of 9.9%, and if that happens, there could be uh, cuts to the indexation of benefits and or uh, contribution rate increases. So it, it could have quite serious negative effects if we go north of 150. Um, back here, when we take a look at this and, and the argument as to why this might be a good idea and something that Albertans might want to look at is the fact that Albertans contribute more to this plan than they take out, which is true, right? I mean, it, it, it's a payroll tax. Everybody pays the same amount. Everybody gets the same amount out. However, there is a difference in terms of demographics, and right now it's to Alberta's advantage, right? Or disadvantage, I guess, to stay in. It might be to their advantage to stay out. So there is some truth to that statement. Yeah. There, there is some, although we do have a, a serious measurement problem in this area, Shay, because it's it's with the data that's in the public domain, we can't actually link uh, contributions that were made in Alberta to uh, people who retire somewhere else in Canada. So, for example, if people, somebody from Newfoundland and Labrador moves into Alberta, works at the tar sands for 20 years and goes home, at the end of that, we, we record the contributions they made in Alberta, but the benefits based on those years in Alberta are being paid out in Newfoundland. And we don't have a way of matching where, where the money was earned with where it's actually being paid out. So we, we have a big measurement problem. And the other thing is that uh, two other things. I mean, one is that the Alberta population uh, depends very heavily on inbound migration from the rest of the country, uh, and there is, um, which is why it's important to be able to link where contributions are made with where the benefits are paid out, and we can't do that. The other thing is that, you know, if, if you were to create an Alberta pension plan, that was modeled on the same basis as the CPP, you have all kinds of transfers within the province of Alberta. Right? So the, these uh, transfers, as you implied in your comment, are inherent in the nature of the plan itself. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that, that demographic advantage, um, that's exactly where Quebec was, right? And, and that's the reason they decided, okay, we're not going to go into the Canada Pension Plan because it's better for us to stay out because we are in a different position. But that turned. They're no longer in that position. No, you're absolutely right. Their contribution rate to the QPP is now higher than the contribution rate for Canada. But when when they got started, they thought they had a demographic advantage. Yeah.
And, and very similar to where Alberta is right now, which ultimately that demographic will change too. In your report, as I was reading through it, something struck me that I don't think we've talked quite as much about and is really, really important. And I don't know if we have any answers, Bob. We need to be really clear on how this might be managed after the fact, right? We, we need to have a pretty good idea of how it's going to be invested. What's the, I mean, all these sort of questions need to be answered in terms of how this fund would actually be managed should this come to pass. Yeah, I think, I think it's critically important. Um, and uh, especially, uh, it's important to clarify these things before people might be asked to vote on whether to stay or leave. Uh, they got to know what they're getting into, not not just on the day of they leave, but over the longer term as well. And the options there, as we've said, have gone back and forth, and I don't think we're completely sure on where it might go. Uh, well, so far, uh, you know, there's no clarity on these subjects. Yeah. Um, but as I say, I think they do need to be cleared up um, uh, before people are asked to vote. And, and you know, I, I was interested. You had the, I heard a clip at the end of your previous uh, uh, topic, and you were, it was um, you were quoting um, Rachel Notley and uh, and Danielle Smith. They were being recorded anyway, and I keep wondering. You know, would a, would a Rachel Notley APP look the same as a Danielle Smith APP? And if the answer is no, then you realize that if they, if the plan is managed as a central government function, there's a lot of scope for instability through time, which you want to avoid in a pension plan. Yeah, exactly. You want to have as much certainty as possible. Bob, great insight. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you.